Well, hello and welcome to the Road to Lords, the Nath Lunch Cup podcast. In episode six, myself, that's Elizabeth Botchaby, tournament director Ian Smith, and the cricketer editor Hugh Serberville will look back on all of the action from the quarterfinals. Well, hello, Ian. Just got four teams left now, and we're we're beginning to get very close to the final. Yes, it's this is when it gets really interesting, and, and matches, I would guess, would have a bit more edge on them than uh, a first round game back at the end of April when. People can really sniff Lords, I think. it's uh, uh, There'll be some scary um, things going on in, in these these games now. And Hugh, you're back by popular demand. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, that's uh, getting exciting, isn't it? Uh, we'll be at Lords soon, all of us. Yes. We'll cricket a team, won't we? We will. Come and, the readers, come and say hello if you're there. And I, I put it in the magazine, actually, must must come. It's... Um, you see Lords at its finest on that day, don't you? There's usually sort of a band playing or, and so on, and it's um, very affordable tickets. So, so it's a great day, isn't it? Sunday, yeah. September the 18th. And I think we've got, it's a steel band, I think. We're going to have... Steel this. band this year, right. Lovely, yeah. lovely, yeah. Um, so hopefully we have some nice weather for them. Like steel bands in the rain don't quite seem to fit, really. So. <laughs> I had a steel band at my wedding. Oh, nice. <laughs> Well, teams often say that getting to Lords is actually the prize for them, not so much actually winning the final. Um, so, I mean, and Hugh, you're quite a seasoned club cricketer. What do you think there'll be? All the teams will be feeling over this next week, knowing they've just got one win and then they're at Lords. They'll be very careful when they get out of bed or step down off the curb that they don't get an injury, won't they? Uh, that'll, be a, that'll be a crucial thing, I think. Um, they'll be thinking. I mustn't get too many runs this Saturday to, uh, ahead of the, the big game, probably. They, they don't want to get all their runs at the week early, they'll probably be thinking. There'll be all sorts of uh, superstitions going on and people vying for selection, won't they? Yeah, I do say, you know, I think it's in football that you know the worst game, the worst place to be is the losing semi-finalist. You know, being knocked out in round one is it's not much fun, but you're quite a long way away from your dream, but being the the losing semi-finalist in a close game, yeah, uh, is probably a difficult place to be. That certainly was the case in the old days before they played all the games at Wembley, all the semi-finals at Wembley. But yeah, That's I fair. agree. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be getting the semi-finals of the Village Cup at Lords anytime soon. <laughs> Every round, yeah. 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 No, as we've seen, um, there's a lot of competition for. Um, matches at Lords now. The Eaton Harrow game won't be played there annually anymore. So um, we're just written about that in the, in the cricketer. So we're very lucky to have the Village Cup at, uh, at Lords, and we're very grateful to MCC. But um, we know that they like it because I think we discussed this on the podcast previously. Jamie Cox, um, Assistant Secretary of Cricket, was the first match he saw when he started the job at the Village Cup, and um, just loved the concept of the fact that anybody. You know, every 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 man and woman from the from the from the country can can play there. Yeah, and and I think the MCC do it well. They don't, you know, in the finals I've been to, it doesn't seem to be an obligation. They're just ticking a box. They they embrace it and they put on a blooming good show uh, as a ground host. And and sometimes that's not always the case with these national finals at other clubs where it's just really a contractual obligation. That you never get that feeling with the MCC. They, they, it's something they really buy into. Absolutely, and then the, the dinner in the long room in the evening. And, uh, they like this sort of meritocratic element of it that um, 
we start off with you know hundreds of village sides and and this the best two get to the final and and, and that's what the, the Eaton Harrow game is probably going to be replaced by a national schools cup mm. in, involving state and private so again that that concept that you know you, you start off with hundreds and whittle it down to the two most deserving yeah well, we've just got four matches to get through, uh, so we might as well plunge right in. So, Ian, uh, which match caught your eye in the quarterfinals? The headlines. When you get to this stage in the season, there's always um, some very good uh, sides involved, and uh, and I particularly was caught by Go Taker versus Calmore Sports. Um, Go Taker have. Uh, had previously had success in it, and obviously Calmore are the current holders of the competition of, of the cup. Um, and and it was a close game. It was a really close game. As I think I've said before on these podcasts, it's not always the the, the massively high scoring games um, that are the best. So, Go Taker won the toss and chose to bat um, on what will have been. Um, it was just before the the massive heat wave, but would still have been a nice day. And um, I think the bowlers would have been staring at their captain if they'd have chosen to bowl first. Um, but they were skittled for 112 in 37 overs um, with uh, Mark Lavelle, uh, who I think is the captain, taking three for 16 off just six overs. So uh, he was the um, main protagonist for Calmore. Calmore didn't have it all that easy uh, in, the, in the run chase. They, they got there with six overs to spare, but uh, they'd lost five wickets. Um, our old favourite, Ben Johns, top scored. He only scored 26, um, but he, that was considerably more than anybody else. Um, uh, and but he couldn't see it through to the to, to the final um, winning of the game, um, but they got there. So Calmore, for the second season running, got to the semi-finals. And and you you see clubs in this that have a long history over a number of years and consistently do well without necessarily winning it. But you also see clubs who have a sort of relatively short period of sustained success. And I think Calmore seem to be on the brink of that. Uh, they seem to have kept. Um, pretty much the same group that won the final last year together um, and they're cruising um, in this competition and and you know they know how to win and they will have some momentum from that confidence they gain in winning and be difficult to see them not not getting through yeah I mean you have to say fair play to go take though because I think now they've played Calmore twice and not conceded a half century to Ben Johns um, which which most teams can't say, and they've managed to keep him fairly quiet uh, on both occasions. Yes, and and he is prolific in this competition, and 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 you wouldn't bet against him. Um, you know, continuing to uh, influence the games, um, even though you know you keep thinking his run of success must come to an end at some stage, but um, they he just he and they just seem to keep going, uh, and they will now play Foxton Granter from. Uh, Cambridge, sir. Cambridgeshire in the semi-final on the 31st of July. Uh, they'll be home again, which will be an advantage to them. Um, and as I say, it's, it, it's you know, Foxen have had a great season um, and that should be a really, really good tie-up for the semi-final. Well, speaking of Foxton, uh, I believe they were one of the sides that caught your eye in the quarterfinals, Hugh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they won the Cambridge and Norfolk section and they have uh, now fought through to the semi-finals. Uh, they beat uh, Redbourne, and they won by five wickets with eleven balls to spare. So it was it was an exciting game, and they had a very uh, illustrious guest there in the shape in the form of 
David Gower, uh, who was ambassador for our sponsors, our Village Cup sponsors, Vinayas. And um, David, if you haven't noticed, is now writing every month for The Cricketer. So yet another reason to buy it. If you've if you've a lapsed reader, please come back because David is writing um, very colourfully every month. But uh, Foxton Granter, I'd heard of them before because they are the team of Mark Saggers, the uh, well-known sports journalist who hosts a sports chat show on Sunday nights on Talk TV. Uh, and I've been on that a few times and I'm going to be on it again this week. So he, he's... Um, Bigging up Foxton Granter and Granter and the Village Cup competition, which has been lovely. In fact, they had David Gower on there on the Talk TV show last Sunday, and he they, they had a good chat about the Village Cup. So that was good. So Foxton Granter are a new side. They are the new the combo of two sides called Foxton and Cambridge Granter, and I think um, lockdown uh, unfortunately saw numbers dropped slightly and uh, the, the two sides got on very well apparently they netted together in the winter and they were sort of friendly with each other so they've decided to merge with each other and obviously they've got um, something to, to uh, celebrate in their first season as a merged entity uh, reaching the semi-finals but as you say they have got a very tough match at uh, Calmore Sports the champions uh, in this game, anyway, against Redbourne, uh, Johnny Atkinson was the top scorer with 48. Their, their top scorer with 48. And there were three wickets apiece for Rajan Singh and Ravi Mahendra. So, yeah, congratulations to Foxton Granter for making the semis in their first season as a new club. Yeah, and I think they might see a bit more of Mr Gower because I think he's obviously a Hampshire man and Calmore Sports is at Hampshire. And I think... Uh, we're trying to get David there for that for the Calmore Foxton semi final, which will be uh, good for both sides. So, brilliant! If, if he keeps going to watch their games, they might offer him a contract to come and play for them. <laughs> I don't know; he hasn't picked, you know, picked up a bat for many a year, I don't think. But uh, you never know. Yeah, he'd, he'd still look good, even not having. I'm sure he would. Yeah. He'd, he'd stroke his first ball through the covers before. We all know that. Correct. And and then run his, his gloved hand through his now silver hair rather than blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the, the two teams that are through in the south section of the draw, so that'll be Calmore hosting Foxton Granter on July 31st. Uh, but in the northern half of the draw, uh, we've also had our two teams confirmed and they are Rainford and Dumbleton. So Rainford are actually Village Cup debutants, as we've discussed, um, and they're now finding themselves just one win from Lords after beating uh, 2021 runners-up Alvin Lee by eight wickets. Uh, Alvin Lee's wicketkeeper, Simon G, uh, was a bit of a thorn in Rainford's side uh, throughout the innings. He top-scored with 69. Um, but thanks to some fairly tidy bowling from Rainford's attack, uh, they managed to restrict Alvin Lee to just 188 for nine. Uh, Liam Gaskell was the pick of Rainford's bowlers, uh, taking three for 39. Uh, and in reply, Rainford made it look fairly easy. Uh, John Dotters and Matty Bailey shared an 85-run opening partnership uh, before falling in quick succession. Uh, and then Craig Woods and Jimmy Davis ensured that the momentum wouldn't, you know, stay with Alvin Lee, you know, quickly getting the partnership on and went on to share an unbeaten century partnership to get their side home with, I think, over six overs to spare. Uh, Jimmy Eccleston and Ben Tumulty uh, were the wicket takers for Alvin Lee, but they just couldn't make much of a breakthrough against Rainford's top order. And Dumbleton, 
uh, in the Midlands, they beat Croxton by 122 runs. Ross Martin and Adam Stewart, who was apparently batting uh, on one leg for most of the innings and using a runner, uh, both scored half centuries to help Dumbleton to 234. Uh, and Miles Holland then picked up four for 12 uh, to bowl Croxton out for 112. Um, and he made a particularly crucial intervention by dismissing Cross, uh, Croxton's uh, captain, Stephen Punchard, for 21 because Punchard had scored centuries in each of his previous two Village Cup matches. So getting him out uh, early doors was probably a match-winning intervention from Holland. Um, and I don't know if you've seen any of the photos from that match, but they really looked like they were playing in some sort of desert. It was uh, one of the driest pitches I've ever seen, kind of more like Tatooine in Star Wars than <laughs> cricket pitch. Uh, I'm sorry, Hugh, I can't think of a, a sandy Doctor Who reference, please. If no, I think t- Tatooine is very good. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking of that the other day, Tatooine, yeah. I, I like my Star Wars references as much as anyone, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I was just going to pick yeah. up on the chap who, who batted and, uh, with whilst injured, and and we've had a couple of queries this year about you know should runners be allowed as they're 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 not allowed in international cricket, and we've had to point out that runners are allowed in the laws of the game. It's only international match regulations that prevent it. Absolutely. Um, and I, I always remember yeah. that one of the greatest batsmen of my generation when I was growing up always batted better when he was limping and that was Gordon Greenwich who if he came out to bat you know dragging one leg you knew you were in for a show because he wasn't going to do any running he was just going to right boundaries. he was just going to square cut it to the boundary yeah. on one foot yeah 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 one of the great players great I remember Malcolm Marshall batting with one hand yes yes I remember that 84 84 84 yeah. Yeah. and then and, and England only him hitting a boundary off I don't know who it was, maybe Derek Pringle or someone, but I think it was Derek Pringle, yes. Yeah. I was thinking if it had been the West Indies, they'd have probably just bounced him, they? but for some reason we didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gentle. No, that, that, that period of the West Indies was unbelievably good. And and always during these times, you you sort of take it for granted while it's happening. You do, I, I did with, with the Australians when they were that good, it's just oh, they're good. It's only when they finish being so good. That you really appreciate the, the the difference in standard that they had. So, um, yeah. Well, I think they they often say that reducing the number of bounces per over was critical, wasn't it? Because that fearsome forward bowl twelve overs an hour, and yeah, you know, you'd only get about one ball out of an over to hit, or two, one or two <laughs> balls and over to hit. So, in an hour, you'd get twenty balls that you could hit, really. And the rest so it's almost like the reverse re- reverse of now, where the umpire say, "Right, actually, one pitched up ball for the over. The next five are going to beat your chin." You know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but no, they were fearsome, definitely. Um, well, I, I spoke to Rainford's captain, uh, John, after the game, uh, and he said that just entering the competition this year has kind of really reconnected the club to the whole village. Um, and I know Rainford fairly well, given I went to school there, and the club has always looked from the outside to be kind of fairly thriving. Um, but why do you think the Village Cup does have this impact on communities and bringing bringing people who aren't actually that involved with the club in? I, I guess it's a bit... It's, it's the focus, I think, that it brings. And I, and I guess it's a little bit like, you know, when a non-league club gets through to the third round of the FA Cup, that often has an an invigorating effect on on the club and its engagement with its local community. Um, and I think we do sometimes have a rather, you know, my, my club is a village club, 
Um, but, and we do sometimes have a rather rose-tinted view that it's made up of people who walk out of the fields, um, you know, having been, been um, harvesting all day and then go and play cricket. There's very few people who live in my village that play for my club. And I think the increased mobility has meant that village clubs are more about their location than their community sometimes. But I do think the, the raised uh, focus that the Village Cup brings, particularly as you get further through the competition and, and uh, those clubs get a bit more um, profile in, in the local and, and national press, I think that's it's a huge benefit to these clubs. And you, you, know, you see from other clubs in the past when they've won that they go on to thrive and improve um, for many years afterwards. I think it's, it's part of the... The joy of the competition is that success breeds success. It is a very, um, and I say this as one of the least romantic people you ever meet, but it's a very romantic um, thing, you know, being able to raise a small uh, local club to, to national attention uh, and play on the, not just the biggest stage in, in English cricket, but in world cricket. Just make sure you lock your house when you go out for the day, because... <laughs> That happened to that um, club in Scotland, didn't it? Yeah, they're all they're all down in London, and their houses got burgled by the only person who was left in the village. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a giveaway. It was a person going around saying, oh, "I hate cricket." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Player of the round. Well, sticking with Rainford, uh, they also have the player of the round, the second winner of player of the round uh, in Jimmy Davis. Um, he took two for 32 with the ball, uh, really kind of controlled the middle overs and then stepped up at the death when they needed someone to, you know, really finish off Alvin Lee a little bit. Uh, and then struck a runner ball 55 to see his side home and even managed to seal the win uh, with a boundary, um, which must have been a, a nice feeling for him. And I know from speaking to both of them, he apparently has had a bit of a tough season, not had many runs, not had many wickets, but found his moment against Alvin Lee and could be, could be about to peak and hit a bit of a purple patch at just the right time for Rainford. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's, it's a really good point that, you know, the impact he had on the game with bat and ball was um, not the sole reason they won, but it was a very, very key contrib contribution to it. And it's it's interesting how, um, people's form can can dip and sometimes they need a, a, a bit of a spark um, perhaps the cup gives them that maybe league cricket on a Saturday uh, doesn't when they're playing against the same people uh, week in week out or the same teams month in month out whereas you know a, a new opposition will often um, create a bit of a spark in, in, in you to, to do something different so no it was a great performance by um, Davis yeah, and I think an honourable mention has to go to Ross Martin from Dumbleton. Uh, he scored a uh, half century for his side, I think he got 68. Um, and that's his fourth half century in as many matches in the Village Cup this year. So he's doing a bit of a Ben Johns uh, and could be kind of coming up on the outside to maybe take the golden bat prize um, if Dumbleton can keep going. Well, maybe they'll be playing against each other at Lords if they both succeed in the next round. <laughs> The big preview. Well, and speaking of Lords, so we've got a real mix of teams left in the competition. We've got the defending champions in Calmore, uh, the Davytons in Rainford, Foxton Granter, who are a bit of a Phoenix team, uh, and Dumbleton, who've done well in the competition in the past, but always gone under the radar a little bit. And they've done it again this year. 
Um, because aside from one slightly tense win over Brett Fulton in round three, they've really cruised through to the semi-final. You know, they've bowled a couple of sides out for under 150. They've chased down uh, in excess of 180. And in the last round, they scored 230-odd. Um, so they've kind of got it all. Um, but Hugh, is there anyone that's standing out for you or anyone you'd be backing to backing to win from this point? I'll be looking out for Foxton Granter, I think, now. we've I've done my research about them and uh, the David Gower-Mark Sagas connection. I think, uh, you know, get their, get their name on the trophy, as you say, a Phoenix club. That would be a good story to write about, wouldn't it? Well, it is sad when teams have to merge. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, I was reading the background to it and the, and the you know, lockdown, suddenly people drifted off and did other things. So it is sad, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm following their fortunes now. Ian, who's your standout side? I think because of their recent experience of Lords and, and winning it, Calmore has to be um, probably my team, my favourite team to, to go through. I think... As, as someone said earlier on, the, the just being at Lords is a big occasion, um, and most of the Calmore players will have done that. So it'll still be a big occasion, but it'll be more about winning the match for them, perhaps than than somebody who's or, or players who are appearing in the final for the first time, who may or may not be overawed by the uh, the, the surroundings in which they play. So, and as I say, there's a number of instances throughout the, the history of the cup where. Teams win the win it three or four times or two or three times in, in close succession when they can manage to keep the same core of players around. Um, and it'd be difficult to argue against Calmore at this, this stage. Yeah, although it's no mean feat uh, defending the title, I think it's probably the most well-known and well-written about stats in the Village Cup. I use it far too often. Um, but I think, it's, is it five teams that have ever defended the crown in 50 years? Yes. Sounds about right. Yeah. They'll be joining fairly at a fairly exclusive club if they do manage uh, to get over the line again. Yeah, and and uh, you know against that there is the as I say the attractiveness uh, of of a new winner. Um, and uh, as you said, you know for for a side like uh, Rainford to have their first season in the cup and and potentially get through to the to its conclusion would be quite a story as well. An expertly reveal, Elizabeth. That's a 10% chance of it happening. It's five and 50. Slightly embarrassed that I'm the statistician and you've come up with that, Hugh, but there you go. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time for in episode six of The Road to Lords. Thank you to Ian and Hugh for their company. And thank you to our sponsors, Vinayas Broadband, Theakston, Bowler, Piper's Crisps and the Lord Taverners. And good luck to the four sides that are still left in the competition. Remember, you're only one win from Lords. Mm-hmm.